Yeah. 
We want to play the pastor. Uh, I wish I had somebody with me. I guess I know. I guess I'm the y'all the only church that don't do that. But this is what it looks like, Paul. This is what it looks like. Paul is a type of object of this position he has. When you look at this passage in the previous verses, you discover that Paul is writing from prison. And, and, and he writes to assure these saints who have been supporting his ministry with their finances that the fact that he's locked up does not mean that the gospel will stop going forth. They're worried about the fact that if he's locked up, will the gospel keep going forward? And Paul said, no, the fact that I'm locked up, the gospel is still being preached. Yeah, they didn't need to be disturbed by the fact that he's in prison because Paul tells them that all the adversity that he had been through was worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now that word furtherance in the Greek literally means to press forward. And so what it means is that it, it, the picture is that there is a bunch of debris in the way of uh, a bulldozer and, 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 and there's a bunch of trees and a bunch of gravel in the way. And so what the gravel has to do is, or what the bulldozer has to do is they have to press forward in order to move all the debris away. And so Paul said, I know there's a bunch of debris in the way. I know there's a bunch of stuff in the way, but the gospel is cutting through all of that stuff. He says that his trials have put him in position to advance the good news of the gospel. You know what he said? He says, because of my imprisonment, now the guards are believers. Lord Jesus. He said, he said, he said, because I'm believed, because I'm in prison. Folks are becoming more bold in their preaching. Yes, he did. He said, he said, he said, people are becoming more bold. They, they, they used to only preach privately. Now they're preaching publicly. All of this is a result of my own affliction and adversity. Let me say something here. Um, uh, sometimes God has you where you are so that others might be blessed. Oh, somebody said, God, get me out of this. God said, no. Oh, 
Those two words have to do with relationships that go back. Oh, yeah, when people desire something that another person has, that's what that word has to do with. It has to do with jealousy. And Paul said there were a category of preachers who were preaching because they were jealous of me and wanted what I wanted, of wanted what I have. Amen. They coveted my position. And what these Indian preachers did not know is Paul didn't promote himself. But he was promoted by Christ, and what they did not realize is the psalm says that promotion comes neither from the east nor the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. You can't get mad at nobody because God is using them. You just pray that you're doing what God wants you to do. Amen. You can't get mad because God promotes somebody else and hasn't promoted you yet. Your turn is coming.
some were false teachers who spread false messages and others were and that false messages and others watch this had false motives but were spreading a good message. Some were his cronies. As long as Paul was out of jail, they felt like they couldn't get their own agenda pushed through. They felt like they could ultimately could not get a foothold on their personal ministry, so it created envy and resentment and strife. And as long as Paul was in jail, they were out of jail, they felt Watch what he says. He says, here's what I want you to see. 
I know that's rough testing for the amen, but that's true. If you choose to focus on what they're saying about you or trying to do to you, you would never keep your bad attitude. You would keep your bad attitude and disposition. Paul was not going to let their envious strife uh, uh, against him kill his jubilation. Some folks just want to kill your joy. They just don't like you. And, and anytime you get happy, they want to kill what you have. They say the way to have a true attitude of joy in the midst of trials and the midst of adversity is to take your eyes off your situation and put it on the Savior. Listen, Paul is not in denial. Paul has not garnered some transcendental faith. No, he has not. He's not pretending that it's nothing that's happened to him. But he said, rather than focus on the people, I'll focus on the Lord. He chose to have jubilation. Another reason why Paul could have jubilation is because he settled with the will of the Lord for his life. I mean, he knew he was in this opposition. And what will help you keep the right attitude in the midst of adversity is when you know that you know Oh, yeah. 
for me. And he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the hole of pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He put a new song in my mouth and praise to our God. That's expectation. Lord Jesus, this is an attitude of expectation. We know he's able to deliver us, but we don't expect him to. You can hear in some of our prayers. Lord, please help me. Lord, please come by here if you don't say no. Paul says, I'm expecting God to work in my situation. I'm expecting God to work this out in my favor. And, and here's, here's, here's the kicker. You can't put a time on God. You, you can't tell God how he's going to deliver you. But what, what we need to do, we need to trust God and wait with expectation. Psalm 27 says this. It says, verse 14, it says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Guess how David can say that? Because God had gotten him through some stuff. And so when you've been through what you've been through, you ought to be able to encourage somebody else and say, If you just wait on the Lord. He'll help you out of your situation. Paul said, I know God will save me from danger. What, what was Paul facing? He was possibly facing death. He most certainly was facing a dead quarter. But Paul said, either way, God's going to vindicate me. We don't have to face the authorities. He knew God would be in control of every situation. He gives us two sources that says he's gonna, that's going to help him. Watch what he says. He said, first of all, it's the prayers of the saints. He says he understood that God often moves on behalf of the church when the church comes together in prayer. And so in the book of Acts, when the church was always in, uh, had a problem, guess what they did? They, they called a prayer meeting. And our bad attitude and outlook in life would never change until we learn how to come together as a church and pray. There's some folks, there's some things you can't handle. There's some things you can't handle. Matter of fact, there's some folks that say, I got this. I got this. Well, you getting it is what got you where you are. Let go of your pride. And call Pastor, call somebody. And say, pray with me. And pray for me. You can pray for yourself, but it's a wonderful thing to have the saints praying with you. Paul was not bitter and angry, but he was living with expectation. He had saints praying for him for deliverance. Secondly, he said, my source is the spirit of Christ. In other words, he says, when I stand before the court in trial, I won't be by myself. The Lord will be with me. The Lord will be with me. He will help me stand and then give me the word to speak when I need to speak. Paul was expecting Verse 20, Paul says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness and all doubt that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul was expected to be delivered. He never lost sight of the fact that he may be executed. Facing death did not make him lose hope or attitude of expectation. Listen to what the songwriter says. Thomas Shepard says this. He says, must Jesus bear this cross alone? In all the world, go free. No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. He said, how happy are the saints above who once were sorry 
to where? For they were proud to me. They were out of an expected something. He said, this is not it in life. If some of us live like this is all there is in life, then the persecution is not your own lot in life. You will see a better day. And the one thing Paul was trying to do, he was trying to glorify Christ and his body. He said, even if I had to die, I want to glorify Christ in my body. So not only did he see Paul's expectation, but he also wrote a poem for that last saying of the testimony, which means that he had to have some courage. Oh yeah, Paul had to have some courage to keep on preaching in the midst of the situation. Even if he had to die, he wanted Christ to be glorified in his body. He took an attitude of courage. Not all of us are to this point, my brothers and our sisters. Not many people have become so dedicated to Jesus that they're willing to die for him. It's amazing how everybody wants to go to heaven, but they want to die to get there. And let me tell you, there are some things that you just can't get around. That, that there, there are some things that you just don't have to say to somebody. And in those times, you need to pray that the Lord give you an attitude of courage. Sometimes adversity is unavoidable. But, but, but through it all, the Lord is able to sustain us. You, you're, not all, you're, you're not here today because uh, the Lord has been an absentee father. You're here today because he watched over you day and night. This past angel to watch over you all day and all night. You didn't wake yourself up this morning. You were the Lord that touched you. I don't see Paul being upset. I don't see him being mad at his situation. He does not have a bad attitude towards the Lord or a bad disposition towards people. He's not allowed his situation to steal his joy. He's not sitting around singing the blues. People have done him wrong. People have taken advantage of the fact that he's in prison. They have used his imprisonment to promote their own troubled agenda. They poured salt on his wounds. And on all of this, Paul said, I will rejoice. He was able to maintain his joy in the midst of trials and trouble. He, it was because Paul kept his eyes off a of man and kept his eyes on the master. And when you keep your eyes on the master instead of men, you'll be able to move beyond bad attitudes and have some joy. Paul was able to look beyond what people were doing to him and see what the Lord was doing. The gospel was still cutting forth. The gospel was still being preached. He didn't take issue with their motives as long as the message was correct. He left the motives up to the Lord. And my brothers and sisters, I'm almost done, but watch this. We have to learn to look beyond what people are trying to do to us and say about us and see what God is doing. And I don't know about you, my brothers and my sisters, but when I think about what the Lord has done for me, and when I think about how he brought me from a mighty long way, I have a reason to rejoice in spite of adversity. Now, y'all can look like you took it on image if you want to, but God has been good to me. In the midst of all of my adversity, the Lord is still making ways out of no way. Yes, yes, yes. This is a cause for joy. 
in the midst of trying to do and see, and the Lord is still providing for us. This is a cause for joy. In the midst of Christians being persecuted all over the world, people are still being saved. This is a cause for joy. The gospel is still cutting short. The gospel is still breaking new ground. This is a cause for joy. And when I think about what the Lord has done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Keep your eyes on Jesus. And you'll always find a reason to rejoice. Paul was able to maintain his joy because he was expecting something from God. He was so focused on God that he did not trip over his brow because of his tribulation and expectation. Paul maintained the right attitude in the midst of adversity. So my question is, my brothers and my sisters, how's your attitude? Why are you living life with something less than joy? Why are you drinking your life away? Amen. What are you depressed about? Why is your joy turned into anger, resentment, and bitterness? Why have you let your current situation keep you from soaring high and going forward? It's because you have not tapped into what Paul tapped into. It's because your eyes are on man and not the master. It's because you have a low expectation of our Lord. We don't expect God to work on our behalf. We lost hope. But Paul said, I didn't allow my situation to cause me to lose my jubilation or expectation. And so we need to learn from Paul's example how to have jubilation and expectation in the midst of tribulation. Before I let you go, I want to say there's a greater example than Paul who went through adversity. Yes, yes. There's a greater example than Paul who had to deal with some adverse situation. There's a greater example of one who was able to keep his eyes on the prize while doing trials. There is another one who shows us how to have the right attitude in the midst of trials. Yeah. And his name is Jesus. The Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. His name is Jesus, the one who's altogether lovely. His name is Jesus, the only wise God, our Savior. His name is Jesus, Amos is bloodline. His name is Jesus, Jeremiah's uh, wheel in the middle of a wheel. His name is Jesus. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, the spies, and the shame, and now is set at the right hand of the Father. Jesus obeyed the Father's will with joy when they traveled for his soul around the cross. Instead of Jesus cursing them, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus died one Friday for early Sunday morning. He got up with all power in his hands. My brothers and my sisters, I'm so glad that you were patient with me. But I'm so glad that God is good. I'm so glad he's good in spite of my situation. And I don't know about you, but I have a reason to join. Because when I think about all the things I've been through, when I think about where the Lord has brought me from, when I think about how he woke me up this morning, when I think about how he prepares a table, before me in the presence of my enemy, I get joy. I get joy. Has God ever done something for you? Has God 
story of both the hummingbird and the vulture fly over the nation's desert. All vultures see is rotten meat because that's what they look for. They thrive on that diet, but hummingbirds ignore smelly meat or dead animals. Instead, they look for colorful blossoms and desert plants. And the vultures live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with what is dead and gone. But hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. Each bird finds what it's looking for, and so do we. And so my question is, what are you looking for? Is your attitude a vulture? You, a hummingbird, have life and trials that you're going to reduce you to the attitude of a vulture? Are you looking for dead and lifeless things? No possibilities, no expected outcome. Has your trials fooled you into thinking that there's nothing to look forward to but rotten meat and dead things of the past that dwell in fever? Or are you a hummingbird that moves past and beyond rotten meat and looks for purpose and joy in the Depressed and ready to go into town. Do you expect God to show up for you when you pray? 